What's going on, guys? Welcome into All Canadian, or as Connor likes to call it, All Detroit. those of you that don't know connor is a detroit blue blood every sport every team he loves them and despite all the dysfunction they cling to their own like matthew stafford in key moments of success because it does not happen for the city very often and connor happily has been wearing his detroit lions number nine rookie year matt stafford jersey since the game ended congratulations to connor it doesn't even fit um man i am i'm still so happy for that guy right now i'm i'm still so happy for matthew stafford that rant too i gotta say like the video doesn't do the sound justice i look like an insane person insane person i need a haircut <laughs> so bad right now my you hair have seen is the video okay all <laughs> over the place oh i've seen the video my hair is all over the damn place. I have this crazed look in my eye that is just undescribable. But it just like he's ready of, to go and bird down the, the what is um, it, the Detroit like Ford Arena or whatever it is, Ford, Ford Field. Field. Yeah, yeah. Going, at, at that point, I would have like I would have gone back in time and single handedly demolished the Silver Dome myself. <laughs> like I was just on another level here, but I guess that's like, that's the dictionary definition of jubilation right there. Yeah. Yeah. We can say that jubilation. Uh, I, I kind of want to talk like, we're going to talk Super Bowl a lot because obviously like, let's face it, we were going to release some draft stuff this week, but the amount of social media presence that the Super Bowl carries for like an entire week afterwards uh, we're just going to postpone that. So we're going to talk Super Bowl and Connor's Detroit Lions being the, oh, wait, did I say Detroit? I mean, Los Angeles Rams. I was doing that during the, the game. I was straight up calling the Rams the Lions during the game in times of like distress or if like <laughs> Stafford threw a bad ball, I'd be like, oh my God, what are the Lions doing here? I'm like, like my girlfriend Riley would have to be like, no, no, like it's the LA Rams. So you know that, right? Honey, so, honey, he left. He left <laughs> you. It's okay. <laughs> it was bad. Like, it was bad. It only really started after Eminem played the halftime show, but. <laughs> yeah, I saw some tweets. I don't know. Uh, some of our viewers might have saw these as well, but it was like uh, Stafford heard Eminem during halftime. It took him all the way back to Detroit, started throwing picks. <laughs> the first the first one, or sorry, one of the, the, the one the of second ben, one. Yeah, the second one was the not Skoronic his fault. one. Yeah, the no, Skoronic was... pick, not his fault. So like, if if OBJ's not hurt, that ball's caught. And oh, you texted me and you're like, that's, that's OBJ's route. That's what you yeah. said. You texted me, that's that's the OBJ route. Oh, okay, so the way that the Rams were getting covered early in the game, they were they were straight up just taking away Cooper Cup. So the Rams are like, all right, let's start running Cooper as a decoy, hitting OBJ uh, and Van Jefferson. And then when OBJ got hurt, I think there was kind of like – I think they put in adjustments at half, but they were like, well, let's see if we can still rock with this in the second half. 
first play pick. Okay, nope, nope. Let's uh, <laughs> let's change our game plan a bit. But uh, no, I want to credit Sean McVay because I know that we're not doing anything in the run game. But if we go back a couple years to when they played the Patriots in the Super Bowl, they got nothing in the run game, and McVay was just like, "All right, that's it. Let's pass. Let's let's start slinging it around." And it does not work with your off. Like you have to keep some form of balance. I know some people are like, why are they still running? And I was even at times like, okay, this is not the time to run the ball, but it creates balance and allows you in the end of the game and in key moments to use ball fakes, run action and all that jazz. And then whenever you need a crucial, what was it like four yards or one yard, you can give it to Cooper cup on that jet action because they've seen the jet action so much and you haven't handed it off yet that game. And all of a sudden, boom, there you go. Cooper Cup gets you seven yards on the carry and your drive's still alive. So uh, credit to McVay for actually learning from his mistakes. Uh, there's evidence of that all throughout the day. Like, I, I don't think they took the field for a warm-up for an extra half hour because they knew that they had a half-hour time block between when they had to leave the field and when they returned. So uh, that was pretty cool, like, touch by the Rams. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Odell going down, huge hurt the Rams but they seem to I don't know if they like figured it out or if like Matthew Stafford just started being like well I'll be Matthew Stafford of old and start making plays because I'm not losing a Super Bowl here so and the one specific play that I do want to talk about when we it was a replacement route on probably the biggest throw of the game final drive Matthew Stafford baited the hell. I don't know the guy's first name, but it was Von Bell, Bell. 24. Von Bell, Von Bell yeah. 24. So baited the hell out of Von Bell on a replacement route with Cooper Cup. And somebody was like, oh, Matthew Stafford had this curl easily wide open. And I was like, no, Matthew Stafford was using that curl because he was staring the curl down the whole time to bring Von Bell down to play the curl. While Cooper Cup slides inside, Matthew Stafford doesn't even have to look because their connection connection is so good that he just fires a no-look pass to Cooper Cup to extend the drive and eventually throw the game-winning touchdown. Did you uh did you end up seeing what Cooper Cup said about the no-looker? No. He said uh he said Stafford was looking off into the third row. <laughs> Or the 300s, whatever it was. It's and then true. he said yesterday that Stafford was, because they were at Disney World, it's like Stafford was looking over at AD on the sidelines. <laughs> and Stafford's just sitting there like smirking the whole time. But this is what he does. And like he did it for years in Detroit, but because of the Lions, nobody cares. Like <laughs> this guy does. This guy certainly does. So when I see people talking about Patrick Mahomes being like this revolutionary quarterback for throwing no look passes, I'm like, man. Go watch Stafford tape from like 2011. No, but it's such a like to have that confidence. I mean, he said he he does it because he has confidence in his receivers, which is like typical quarterback words out. Like he's just trying to like pass it off. It's a, but to have like the balls to sit there and like you're staring in one direction and you're just like, yep, I have the accuracy in my arm that I can just look off screen, throw it back be pinpoint with it like these passes aren't like no lookers that like they have to make tough catch like they are on target and on the money so uh that was a wild play and certainly uh certainly helped push the ball downfield i think it was like a 20 yard gain too like that's huge when you're trying to drive the field yeah yeah i i i saw it happen during the game 
but there's uh there's actually a reverse angle of it i don't know if you've seen it yet yeah from, oh my it's gosh. from like the corner of the end zone they were heading to yeah yeah, yeah that's a that's sick my angle. that's my favorite look of that play because you you can see just how much or how far to the right side of the field stafford's looking on that play oh man he's just but uh lions he's, he's crazy but uh lions being and- represented all over the place <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's talk about one of the bengals though and that's my favorite eli apple oh this man this i love man, that he's from ohio state too this man trash talks every stop he, he's been in like four different nfl teams in like what four years five yeah. years so he was a nobody, giant he was a bengal he was a saint uh giant bang saint bengal i think there's one more stop in between in there somewhere but Giants yeah, he's, and Saints. But just, yeah, he's so arrogant and cocky and he goes after guys on social media. Like he made one play on Tyreek Hill because Mahomes threw the ball behind Hill on like a half bubble screen. It wasn't even his play. That was just nice bracket coverage. There were three other Bengals there. If Eli Apple didn't make that stop, somebody else but, was going to. But uh but he like started tweeting out at Miko Hardman, Tyreek Hill after the game, acting like he was king and then uh, I think there was a conversation uh, where someone asked him about the upcoming Super Bowl. And he's like, you know, I used to practice against Odell. I uh, I know his tendencies pretty well. So I definitely want him in coverage. Okay, well, Odell, Odell went two for 55 uh, before he tore his ACL. And he was going to absolutely tear you a new one all game long. This is not news. And then with the game on the line, Oh, wait, no, no, sorry. Before the game's even on the line, Cooper Cup's first touchdown, Eli Apple just staring off into space like he got caught in the matrix or something because he started moving at like nanometer, <laughs> millimeters per second there. Like he's not going <laughs> anywhere. Cooper Cup just runs right around him. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you see the oh shit spin. <laughs> um, but then the last drive and... Eli Apple tries to one-on-one the reigning offensive player of the year. How'd that work out for you? You had to tackle him as a PI call, and then they just run a back shoulder fade, and you are clueless to where the ball is going. Like, clueless. Eli Apple, hell of a day. NFL players had a field day tweeting at him, by the way. Did you see that? Oh, that was ruthless. Absolutely ruthless. Michael Hardman tweeted a, a video of his ring. Uh, Rashad Bateman tweeted out Apple, like a like the Apple emoji. Yeah. Uh, Eli, someone, yeah, sorry, Michael Hardman also told him to go get better at his craft. Like, there's yeah. nothing else you can say to that. <laughs> That's brutal. Uh, oh, C.D. Lamb had some tweet. Uh, Hollywood Brown tweeted about the Apple Pack being uh, being on fire or something like that. I don't know. I just call him burnt toast. That's what I keep sticking to. Burnt uh, toast. What he is. It's he true. Is. He is. He's not a good corner. And the fact that he went to Ohio State and got mossed in the biggest game of his life makes it a little <laughs> bit better for me. A little bit sweeter. The uh, the other side, though, the corner that I'm kind of sick of the slander is Jalen Ramsey. Okay, let's let's talk about it. So the first, catch, the first catch by Jamar Chase, uh, Jalen took a bad peak, like, Oh he my was, god. He was we in back phase. And forth about that one too. Yeah, he was in phase, gets the gets the press the, like the hands on the top of the route. And then just you see the eyes just rear his head. 
and you're like, oh God. <laughs> I was sitting there going, why? You're far too good to be doing that. You are far too good a player to be doing that. my the one that got me too was like because he came down and played a press man, right? So off the initial jam, he takes a look too. And I'm like, what are you doing? And that's where he loses his footing first and has to recover. And I was like, what on God's green earth are you doing? But let's talk, but okay. He peeks off the line. He peeks badly at the top of the route and loses him. Yep. Still on his hip. Yeah, like still covered that <laughs> route near perfectly. With two awful mistakes that any regular corner would just be that's seeing that bird. Yeah. Oh, man. That's a touchdown on like any rookie level corner. You're gone and you're never coming back in the league because of Eli Apples in coverage and does that twice. He's he's left in the league. Like that is. Well, he did it with the Saints. That's why he's on a new team. <laughs> But uh, in ter- like in terms of Jalen Ramsey, like he gave up that one. He gave up like a four yard route to T Higgins at the end of the game. Kudos. He he jumped on a hook and then Joe yeah. Burrow just threw it like high and outside, knowing that just- Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey like had that route read though. It was just it was it was a nice throw by Burrow to get it high to the outside of his receiver. It but- was a it was a throw by Burrow that was like yeah this ball's picked unless I throw it to the sideline. Yeah, so let's put it. Up and away, and Jamar Chase just made a great catch. It was a good throw, good play. Should Ramsey have jumped on that route? No, but you're not going to tell a guy like Jalen Ramsey no, to not break on that route. Times, yeah, nine times out of ten, right? Like if Joe Burrow is a lesser quarterback, he rifles that ball straight into Jalen Ramsey's hands, and Jalen Ramsey walks the game off. Um, then we also had uh, slant route in the end zone. She almost picked. Yeah. Uh, then we had the face mask 75-yard touchdown. Which everybody knows was a face mask, so I don't want to hear anything otherwise. Even Bengals fans know they got away with one there. So I saw people tweet out, like, or someone tweeted out, like, 160 yards in a game, the most Jalen Ramsey's ever given up in coverage. And I'm like, okay, we'll take 75 of that away because <laughs> that's not a play. <laughs> like... So we're down to 85 yards. Like, let's let's stop with 160 business. He did not give up even 100 yards. He got face masked to the ground. <laughs> Here's my argument to that guy's argument. Fine. You let Jalen Ramsey, you put you put up the most yards Jalen Ramsey has ever allowed in his career, and you still couldn't win. With Jalen Ramsey, like he gave up the yardage, but I outside of the big catch. And the last like hook that Jalen Ramsey almost caught. How much did uh, Jamar Chase do? How much? No touchdowns. Couple yards. Maybe a couple first downs. But Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey was not playing that game for personal accolades. Jalen Ramsey was not playing that game to put Jamar anybody Chase, to zero yards. Five, five for eighty-nine on eight targets. One of them was for forty-six. So he went four for forty-three. Yeah. So, talk to me so again. Four for 43 outside of that one big catch, which we admitted Jalen Ramsey made two key mistakes on and was still in phase. Yeah. And whatever, like Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, good players in their own right. But I'm, I'm yeah, I'm tired of people being like, oh, Jalen Ramsey's over, overrated. Jalen Ramsey's this. Like, no, Jalen Ramsey is the best cornerback in football. Thank you very much. And like, with, with Jalen, like, it's such a, such a different game because they just trust, they're like, okay. 
Like Jalen Ramsey does not get help. <laughs> no, because he doesn't need it. And how many how many DBs in the NFL right now can you feel comfortable lining up at every cover position on the field other than Jalen Ramsey? Not yeah, many. He plays he plays slot. He plays corner. Like the only one safety. I, I've seen him come in and play like box roles too. Like yeah, the only one that could do that much would be Marlon, like Marlon Humphrey in terms of size and being able to play in the box. But even he. Is not he as, doesn't he doesn't do it right like he moves no around he's, the bit, he's he not asked to like do that. it yeah no 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 but no. like in terms of coverage going slot outside safety I could see Jair Alexander doing it as well yeah um, absolutely but like that's three but guys and who actually those two guys do it? Set, spend the year injured for most of it so yeah and like not again nothing against like Jair Alexander Marlon but they're not asked to do it but guys that no. are doing it in the NFL right now there's one and it's Jalen Ramsey. And even yeah. if you go and he's been doing this, you go back to that AFC championship against New England, he covered damn near every receiver in that game and even locked Gronk. down Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, like, you're comfortable you leaving Ramsey end. on tight ends. I would feel comfortable like a guy right now, Kyle Pitts, George Kittle, whatever, George Kittle last week. Raylan, Jalen Ramsey was over top George Kittle in some coverages as well. So this dude's the yeah. best corner in the in the game. I mean, the uh, the other, you know, top end defense player should we uh we should not be omitting this guy because it is under like Aaron Donald let's like I would be scared as hell there's your MVP by the way there's your MVP no stop painful I had money on Aaron Donald's MVP this happened last year too I had Derek Barnett locked and loaded they finished the game to give the award to Tom Brady after the game Everyone's talking, well, Derek Barnett should have been MVP. <laughs> Honestly, so should have Strahan years but back. I, yeah. But uh, in terms of like Aaron Donald, there was something that clicked towards the end of the first half. I, I don't know if they – I know they came out in the second half lining him up way outside in the B and just giving – like you cannot possibly double team him from this alignment. Have fun. Yeah. I know they did that in the second half, but in the first half, there was something that clicked uh, towards the final drive where you just saw him start to, like, I don't want to say, like, kick it up a notch, but you started to see him, like, ramp up. Dude, dude, dude he was mad. Like, they showed it a couple times on broadcast where he was, like, he was getting triple team, whatever, frustration. In end of that first half, he was like, no, I'm just going to go dominate. I'm the best player in the game. Nobody can do anything about me. And then still shows up and has finished with, what, two sacks? Two sacks in that game? Two sacks, three QB hits. Would have been three sacks if he had gotten the uh, the last play. Joe hadn't thrown it away. Yeah, but uh, but he still impacted that play, which was arguably but the even most important even play like Von Miller's Von Miller's sacks. Like they have to spend so much time and resources on blocking Aaron Donald, which they still couldn't do with those time and resources. That it freed up Leonard Floyd, Von Miller. Uh, Greg Gaines, like all those guys just got freed up so much easier because of it. Aaron Donald is the ultimate mess the play up guy, but like he actually still shows up on the stat sheet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From a nose tackle, he gets like double digit sacks every year. Which people are just like, oh, wow. And he still eats those double, triple teams. And when he is taking those, he's getting his teammates open, right? So ultimate mess the play up guy. But yeah, that, uh, and your Super Bowl MVP, our Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't put money in my pockets, but <laughs> hey, makes you feel better. Uh, money in pockets though. BC Lions getting a little uh, 
TV, not even, no, it's not a TV spot, but they're getting some big airtime thanks to Vancouver native Ryan Reynolds. Uh, he brought some BC Lions gear. I think it was a Figueroa jersey. Uh, he gave to Will Farrell. They took a picture at the Super Bowl with Will Farrell just decked out head to toe in Lions gear. Uh, BC also gave, I think it was uh, one of the morning shows that does the play by play for the Lions, gave Pat McAfee his own custom jersey. Uh, they were in full force down in the Super Bowl this weekend. It was great to see the CFL team, not the CFL, but a team in the CFL start to make their mark and kind of have fun with Super Bowl week. It's football everywhere and people are talking about it. So why not try and throw yourself in there a little bit? Since we are working a little CFL into this, into this Super Bowl, Super Bowl recap show here. Did you see the the reply from the BC Lions to, to Ryan Reynolds' tweet? It was incredible. No. Oh, they re- they replied. They're like, wait till he compares the size of our balls. But they put like two football emojis. It was amazing. <laughs> I just want to say too, like across the board in the CFL this year. Last year, Toronto had probably the best social team in the league. Yeah. This year, like this off season, everybody's social teams have stepped it up a notch, and it's amazing to see. It's free publicity, right? If you put the time and effort into it, it is free publicity, and the Red Blocks are example oh, a of that right now absolutely i mean going behind the r uh like that in behind the scenes look nobody does that in the cfl even uh, even the video they just put out like about, Haley like, davis junior, yeah that was incredible so well it's so simple but so well done so yeah Haley davis and their video coordinator josh connor uh literally set up a couple cameras or one camera i think it was have uh have her sit in the stands <laughs> practice your line i don't even think that like judging by how he walked away from that i don't think they shoveled the stands off from like the oh foot no of he was trudging <laughs> through those stands man you could and you could like kind of hear it pick up on the mics too like my man josh was working hard to trudge through the snow to get up those stands but no and like even this morning like i saw uh the edmonton elks like uh they did like a mean tweets yeah yeah <laughs> It was amazing. It was awesome. So, uh, and like the CFL content's definitely going up in auction. It's it's 100% going to pay off in the long run. It's, this is how you interact with younger audiences. I do want to give. Oh yeah, 100%. I can't wait to see what uh, what other Josh, not other Josh, but I can't wait to see what Josh is going to do in Winnipeg now, as well. Everybody keep an eye on the Bombers, the Bomber social media team, because that's about to start going off real soon. But I do want to give one more shout out to the Red Blacks before we bring it back to the Super Bowl here. Our guy, Braden Stachel, RCFL. He's going to be a dad. How did we not lead with this? We should have led with this. Your Super Bowl is not as important as this. Uh, Braden Stachel. Our guy, Braden's going to be a dad, man. CFL Reddit, expecting father. Uh, the Red Blocks actually sent him a care package nice to tie this whole package. thing together. Oh, it was yeah. awesome. It was incredible. I love so, it. Uh, congrats. Yeah. Congrats, uh, congrats to him from us at CFP. Uh, definitely going to be exciting to have a little Red Blocks fan going around. Even if Please we, like, don't let to, him like... onto your CFL Reddit page. <laughs> 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 All right. Let's go CFL free agency catch up. You guys heard Connor and I time and time again talk Ottawa and wide receivers. And they never did it. And now they've gone overboard. So bunches by the bunches. 
they re-signed Nate Bahar, they re-signed RJ Harris, they then went out and got Shaq Johnson, Jalen Acklin, uh, BJ Cunningham, I think they got, uh, I think they have signed like two other receivers. Either way, they've gone all in on receivers. Uh, you can't roster like 12, so who? You can try. You could try. try. It might not be beneficial to your team, but like now at this point, it's like, okay, you've gone overboard. Oh, they got Levine Noel is also. Well, so like, yeah. there's like seven guys now. So plus whoever is still under contract from last year. So yeah. Um, I just want to know like at what point do they kind of get like, mm, do we have too many or who's going to get peace squatted or released or. It's kind of the pinball method though, right? Like we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but like, let's run down who is uncuttable right now. We have social media aficionado, Nate Bahar running the Wordle <laughs> socials. Wordle <laughs> expert, RJ Harris. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, RJ, those are bad, man. <laughs> I just like that. He's like rolling with it now too. Uh, BJ Cunningham is uncuttable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Shaq Johnson, I was so off the top of my head when you said that they signed Shaq Johnson, I was like, oh, there's a guy that you potentially could cut. I don't think so, though. I don't think so, because he plays out wide and that like is effective at it. But it kind of takes that position off like they don't have to worry about it because, you know, Shaq Johnson is going to be able to produce out wide. Um, You know, RJ Harris is in the slot. BJ Cunningham and Jalen Acklin can make up the slot. And then Nate, like I would put Nate at R. I'd have BJ and Jalen Acklin on the weak side. And then I'd go uh, Shaq Johnson and uh, RJ Harris on the field. Yeah. Okay. And then for me, me it depends. It depends how Shaq plays in camp as well. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, no. So I think uh, I think in terms of receivers, like that, those are their five. Uh, Levi will be the sixth man and will contribute very well on specials. And then the rest of them, like the rest of them, just have to fit in to the pieces. But uh, like you don't have Deadmond anymore, uh, so there's a spot there that's open. But I think that's taken by Jalen Acklin. Um, this yeah. this just seems like they've. Like you said, pinball method. Throw it at the wall. Whatever sticks will stick. Yeah. Which I guess is fine. I guess that's fine. Like, it worked for Toronto for the most part this season. Or this Mm. past season, I guess. For the most part, they went from, you know, not being very – or not being contenders, really, to in the East final. So, for the most part, (laughs) it was effective. Well, they're not done adding receivers either, speaking of the Argonauts. They went out and got – BDB, Brandon Banks, uh, which I kind of was like, okay, because we'd said with the Red Blacks, it made sense to have Mazzoli and the big needed receiver to go and get BDB to kind of see if he had a year or two left. We said he will be good, but at what level of consistency? With Toronto, I'm like, okay. This could work, but you only really need him for like a catch or two a game, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. But but what he does, the way that he's going to get those catches for you for Toronto, they didn't really have a player like that. Whereas with Hamilton, you have guys that they were able to do it with, like Tim White, Poppy White. And I'm talking about the downfield seam routes, right? Like Tim White, Poppy White, you saw those home runs dialed up once or twice a game for guys like that, even Jalen Acklin to some degree as well. I don't think Toronto really had that guy, the, a go-to guy for a home run play like this. I think now they have it with, with speedy b but i mean goodness man can we talk about like this is just sort of a massive middle finger to short to hamilton as well i think the whole off season kind of has this, like, been from different guys right like long time tie cat delvin bro leaves for the west coast yeah. um they they the mazzoli i understand he did like they chose dane evans to be their future quarterback but jalen um, acklin followed and, it up <laughs> Jalen Acklin followed it up following the quarterback that he's been less efficient and less effective with in Mazzoli over Dane Evans. Now Speedy B goes to Toronto. I saw some guys saying, like, I don't hold against him. Like, I would go there, too, if they wanted to pay the money for it, which, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But, uh, like, from just, like, an outside perspective, it's just all these tie cats being like, you know what, like, long-time tie cats and yeah. big contributors just kind of being like, yeah, See ya. We kind of saw this like we're done losing in Grey Cups. We're gonna lose before we get to the Grey Cup. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. I don't know, man. They're building a solid roster in Toronto right now, man. I think it is. Uh, it is. I, I think uh like I saw someone tweet that Hamilton's gonna be last in the East. And quite frankly, as little as Hamilton's done, they've retained guys and they've gotten guys like Micah Johnson. Montreal really Micah has Johnson. not Montreal has not done anything. Yeah. If I'm looking at a, a bottom seed in the East right now, I'm looking Montreal. at the province of Quebec, yes. Until Machocha goes and drafts like 10 RSEC guys and you're all back and you're like, my caravan, you're back. My caravan, you're back. <laughs> they, draft, they draft our guy who we can't give away yet. They go out and draft a guy like Enoch. Like, come on. I mean... The uh, the whole the whole CFL free agency has been pretty crazy. I mean, the Red Blacks signed uh, Money Hunter. They got a bunch of DBs. They have Eau Claire, and then all of a sudden they bring back Pruno. It's and, like whoa! And then Pruno goes and says like, "Nothing's really expected of me. I, I have to compete for every role." It's like oh, okay. Oh. So you brought him back Adam to compete, Eau Claire like. Time? I think it's Adam O'Claire time. Mind you, he did might be bring, playing Will. He might be playing Will for them, but could be. But did they bring Pruno back? Yes, they brought him back because he's ineffective or has been an ineffective player in Ottawa, longtime player, fan favorite, all that. But did they bring him back because they know he's going to fill and fill it well, at least with some reliability, a special teams role, and then he can also coach his 2.0 version up. I think that's the key. Is they brought him back to help coach up. The young oh, like, players they have on roster because they have yeah. Trey Sean. Uh, did they draft Alonzo last year? They did. So they have Trey Sean. They have Alonzo a day who, if he doesn't go NFL this year, should be coming up to fully compete as a red black in the summer. Uh, um, I I personally think that like that is the move. Like they know they have Alonzo if he's coming up, and otherwise they have Trey Sean, uh, who's a great young talent. Uh, I think that they are just bringing Pruno back to kind of like a be for Anna, like make sure the fans still have their, one of their favorite players, but B they have a young guy who's willing to learn with 
quite frankly, a, a through and through pro. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's more of a, a leadership role than anything else. Like, did I scratch my head a little bit? Sure. But did I understand what was kind of the thought process there? Absolutely. I understood it once we, we were told that he's, <laughs> he's not guaranteed a starting role. Then I was like, okay, this makes sense. Um, your Elks though, Deron Carter. Another one where I kind of scratched my head. I, I still don't know what to make of this. I really don't. I think that Chris Jones just bring guys that he knows. And it's like, you know what? Give me like a year or two. Just give me one season where we can change the culture, set the culture, and build from there. Like, that's all I want. Culture changers, culture setters, and guys that know what he expects. And I guess, yeah, no, I, I'm behind that. But my question, like, I'm still stuck on Deron Carter here. Like, guy hasn't played football in a bit. Has he lost that step? I know that, like, they sign him early. It's February now. They sign him early with the hope that they're like, okay, like you're on a CFL roster now. Let's get in shape. But like, does he still have that step? Is he still going to be that playmaker? I'm very curious to see what version of DC we get in Edmonton as well. Yeah, I, that's the one that's a wild card for me too. I think the other guys, uh, like, you know, you're just going to get a reliable veteran presence who's going to help establish culture. But with Deron Carter, you're like, this is a wild card. Like, yeah. Well, we, so we were saying the same and, thing about James Wilder Jr. this time last year too, right? We were. And he, he proved to be a good, solid player and a leader in the locker room for them, despite all the turmoil. But uh, I, I, Duran Carter is like a next level, I think, in terms of that. Oh, I'm 100% less confident in Duran Carter pulling a JWJ. 100% less confident in that. But, but like, I don't know, like, does this dude, because it's been, what, two, three years, does this dude just really, really, really want to play football and he's all business? I, You know what? I don't know if Chris Jones would bring him on if it wasn't. That's where, like, I think he does have a little hope. Uh, combine, month away now. Anyone that you want to see match up one-on-one in special teams, offense, defense, trenches, reps, what do you, two guys that you would want to see? Am I allowed to start giving things away here? Or you want me to talk guys that we've already seen? Mm. You could tease. All right, I'll tease, but I won't tease that hard. I want to see Deontay Knight match up with Gregor McKellar. That's a good one. I mean, we get the JP Metris trophy winner against a guy in Gregor McKellar who, you know, has been very dominant. And I think that, like, Gregor McKellar has been highly touted coming out of the AUS, and I think this is going to be a chance for him to say, yeah, I'm coming out of the AUS. So what? I just competed with. But when we have, when we have the matchup with X and Western in the national semifinal, I think this is a chance for Gregor McCullough to get a bit of redemption. Yes, that, absolutely. That defensive front uh, dominated. Yes. It's the X O-line. I think this is a chance for Gregor to be like, okay, look, one-on-one, I hold my own. One-on-one, we're not playing on a sheet of ice. Let's do this in real playing conditions here. Uh, well. <laughs> no, I'm joking okay. around. I'm joking around. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that one, I think. Uh, wide receiver DB matchup, you got one? The Phil Potts versus anyone. Phil Potts versus anyone. Okay. I'm just excited to watch the, the Phil Pot brothers <laughs> absolutely dice everybody. I think, like, the <laughs> Phil Potts versus, versus Tyrell Ford will be a fun matchup. 
That is one I'm looking forward to as well. Phil Potts on Tyrell Ford. I mean, we we know the speed they both have, but Tyrell can match that. And does Tyrell try to play it straight up or does he pull a Tunde Adelike and just straight up play a trail technique? Like, does he just sit behind guys and just try to beat them to the spot after they make their break? Because I don't know if he can do that with the Phil Potts, given their speed. But some of the other receivers that are going to be there, he certainly can. So it'll be interesting to see technically how Tyrell Ford plays because I don't know if he wants to get into trail technique, but he certainly has the skill to if he does. I think it'll be absolutely huge for Tyrell Ford if he can prove, if he can do it and prove that he can play excellent trail technique because it's so hard to play. You have to be so athletic to play it. And if he goes out there and he has like even two to three, two to three really, really damn good reps in trail, he's going to turn heads with it. Uh one I want to watch, Nolan Lovegrove, Brandon Gondier, uh, Regina DB. He is long. Lovegrove does not have quite the size, but Lovegrove is going to get into his space and kind of eliminate his arms and his length. Uh, I want to see how Lovegrove responds to the long DB like that, and I want to see how Gondier does against one of the A-class route runners in the upcoming draft. Uh I really want to, I'm curious, like just not a one-on-one, but just overall with this combine, because it's getting there, we're getting close. I'm very curious to see who this year's Jordan Williams is going to be. Like, is there going to be a guy where was low on everybody's radar, comes in and just absolutely hammers? I think Wade has a guy, but I, <laughs> I'm wondering. I want to, you're, I've got two more matchups I want to go through here. Tommy bringing Adam Macker. Yeah. That is, that is the one, because we know how athletic Tommy Bringy is, but he has never matched up with Adam Mackert. My thing with Laurier Goldenhawks, too, is they just seem to go, no matter how they good go. or bad, no matter how <laughs> good go. or bad Laurier is as an OUA football team, they put players in the league. Uh, no, I, I definitely want to see Tommy Bringy get an Adam Mackert. Uh, I don't think people are ready get for into how the athletic boxing Tommy Bringy is. I don't think no. people are like ready no. to see how athletic this kid is. This this linebacker class, not even just Tommy Bringy, but like I without giving away too much. I mean, Jesse Lucetta technically classifies as a linebacker, even though he's a three four edge rusher. Freak. Josiah Shackle. Freak. Tommy Bringy. Freak. <laughs> Nate Edwards. Freak. Uh we'll go Woodley Appleon, his brother Freak. Wesley Appleon. Uh we'll get to them later on in the uh, in the month, but like, if you're keen to go watch the tape. Yeah, uh, like there's lots of linebackers that just fly in this yeah. class. Like even Louis Cavanaugh from Carlton, who we like, we have him ranked in the 60s in our 100. I'll, I'll. That's a mini spoiler, but he he's an athletic guy. Like he gets from point A to point B in a hurry. Um, but no, this linebacker class is phenomenal but in terms of trenches uh Rodine brown philippe lemieux cardinal uh two guys that did not match up at all uh Rodine, obviously u of a he is a f- like freak athlete and philippe lemieux cardinal he wasn't he like the rsec player of the year for defense this year uh yeah yeah i think he was so i mean <laughs> Either way, the him or Michael Broderick, like one of the Carabank. I just want to yeah. see Rodin Brown go against them because I think that they bring a different style of pass rush than he's probably used to seeing out 
in can west where they are just big bodies who can physically overpower you but also have the technical skill to beat you straight up um i want to see how he can kind of handle that speed to power combo uh, I'll give you which, i'll give you one more here i am really really excited to see anthony federico against peter kazushka that's those are two big bodies yeah. man. if we get that the gold that one i think would have to be a national gale yeah yeah i think so that one would have to be national i well a lot of these have to be national because we're crossing conferences but um but these are that like one the ones that we're talking about that are national are guys that we fully expect to be at the national combine i do yeah i expect i expect a lot of these guys at the national but um no that wouldn't be a good one too i mean we know federico's got great get off and I think with Kazushka, like his size is just going to wow people when he yeah. gets there. But uh, a month away now, these guys are in the final, final moments of their tune-ups. Uh, hopefully guys are getting out, thrown around. This is going to be a wild year for the combine. I'm so happy that it is back. Uh, hopefully we can be there too. I know we were kind of debating uh, flying out to the West Regional Combine. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Um but we will for sure try to be at the national. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm very excited for combine season. Hopefully we'll be able to get to as many as we can. Certainly planning to be at the national. Oh man, it's draft season. It is actually draft season. We have dates. It's draft season. 100's finished. Oh, keep an eye on CMP next okay, week. Okay. That's all I'll say. Yeah, the draft 100, we're going to start to do a slow release next week. Uh, like I said early in the show, we're kind of avoiding the Super Bowl mayhem. But uh, we are going to do our rollout. The final touches on the graphics are being made. All of the spreadsheets are done. <laughs> as uh, as painful as they were to to fish through and count and... Recount. At one point, I was I was counting ninety eight, even though hundred slots were filled. I'm like, how am I missing? <laughs> but then I realized that I can't math some days. I can't math some days. It's tough, man. It's tough. And then uh, there was the one day where 100. we we had like hundred and two players, and we kept counting like ninety nine. Yep, that was good. Yep, math uh, certainly not a strong point for us, but that's okay. No, social sciences. Let's go arts and crafts, baby. <laughs> But uh, no, we have uh, we have one more topic here that Connor is very close. Uh, Keen, no, you know what? We don't have to do it if you don't want. I uh, yeah, no, no, no. no. <laughs> Connor is insisting we do this uh, after the Super Bowl win. Lots of people saying Matt Stafford is a lock. Oh, I tweeted it. In, I put I tweeted in all caps. I said put nine in the hall. Uh, one but, of my uh, favorite players of all time just earned his way out of that category though recently. Richard Sherman, uh, this is what he said here. He tweeted out a series of tweets. I'm going to talk about it on the podcast, but the Hall of Fame bar is incredibly low now, like a participation trophy. No all-decade team, no all-pro, no MVP, one Pro Bowl, not even MVP of the Super Bowl. Never considered the best in any year that he's played. At least Matt Ryan has an MVP. That's, he like, goes that's on the to part s- that sinks right into my veins and makes my blood boil. Like I, I despise Richard Sherman for saying that. But he goes on. I think Will Brinson and some other people respond to him. He said he did nothing spectacular talking about the Super Bowl. 
it's really a macrocosm of his career. Did good, not great. Made a few wow passes, made a few hand palm passes. Aaron Donald and Vaughn are the two Hall of Famers he should be thanking. Connor, did you have some face palms during the game? For Matthew Stafford? Yeah. No, because as a Lions fan, you're used you to it. You, well, you, you grow to expect it. You live and die by it. And Sean McVay knew that bringing in Matthew Stafford. Yeah. He's a guy that's aggressive. He's aggressive with the ball downfield. One of those interceptions, not his fault. We said that off the top, but Matthew Stafford's aggressive with the ball downfield, and that is going to force interceptions. Joe Namath, Hall of Famer, should not be. Brett Favre, Hall of Famer. Both guys threw interceptions. I think Joe Namath has more career interceptions than touchdowns, actually. So tell um, me again how that matters, really. I'm not done. There's there's two more things from Richard Sherman here. Oh, I'm already uh, hot. There is no measuring stick that makes Stafford a Hall of Famer other than playing in the most passer-happy decade in the NFL. Inflated numbers make every quarterback that starts 10-plus years a, quote, Hall of Famer. He gets his day, brother. But just throwing around Hall of Fame like that irks me. So many had to be the most dominant to make it. Which, that's the part that, that speaks to me. Because, like, we see Tony Baselli just getting into the Hall of Fame. This man was literally the top player at his position for the majority of his career. And he is just getting in. That's fine. I'm not saying Matthew Stafford is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer or should be a first out, or should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm just saying Matthew Stafford should be a Hall of Famer. Should Tony Baselli have been in the Hall way earlier? Yes, he should have. Yes, he should have. But he got buried I, under the weight of a terrible team. He did, but uh, like he still had the All Pro nods to mention it. But I think, like, with me, I saw Nick Wright say it, too, like, slow the roll on the Hall of Fame stuff. Because, like, the Hall of Fame, like in, ba- like, like in baseball, like in basketball, is becoming the Hall of Very Good. Am I wrong in that? It's becoming the Hall of Very Good, not the Hall of Fame, where it's the greatest of the great? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I guess I can, I'll say that a little bit, yeah. And that's that's kind of where people are headed with this, is like, he has not been the top five quarterback for like at least a two year stretch. He has never been a top five quarterback. Like in your eyes, yes, because you're a Detroit fan. But in terms of like through his career, Peyton Brady Wilson, and then you'd had a, your pick of two given the year. And Matt Stafford never had back to back years where he was in the top two. Rogers, to add into that, are you frozen? Or are you just staring at me? No, I'm just staring at you. <laughs> So we got Wilson, Rogers, Brady, Manning for the majority of Stafford's career. That fifth spot has always been in flux. It has never been a solid Stafford. It's because he's played on terror. If Matthew Stafford was on anywhere else, if Matthew Stafford was on a winning team, this is a different argument. You're saying, oh, he's a top five quarterback. And I'm arguing that some other shit. No, because Derek Carr, Derek Carr had goal, but... a stretch of years where he was, I'm not saying Derek Carr's a Hall of Famer, but he's had stretches where he's been a top quarterback for multiple years. And he was on the, the dysfunctional Raiders. You want to talk about stretches? This man had a seven-year stretch of throwing over 4,000 yards. And the season that he missed yes, is eighth season never... where he was 300 yards off. Then he picked it back up the last two seasons. He had one season where he got hurt, by the way, broke his back and still tried to play through it, where he still had 2,500 yards, came back through 4,000 again, came back this year through nearly 5,000. This guy is almost yes, top but he's never led the time. league. 
He's never he's even led the league. top 10 all time. In, so his job, his job is to throw the football, right? That's and what he's never does. been the best at throwing the football. Because nobody's ever given him credit for it because he's played in Detroit. He's always no, 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 been one no, of the no, best no. at throwing the even, football. Even all those years where he was trailing games, throwing the throwing it like 40 times a game because he had to, he's the job still never of a quarterback, led the league. The job of a quarterback is to throw the football and throw touchdowns. Matthew Stafford, in about a season he's and a half, is going to be top 10 all time in the statistical categories that they're required to be. He has his ring. He has his stats. But he's never... Okay, Phillip Rivers is up there in all those stat categories. And he's going to get in too. And Are we sure about that? Yeah. Because Phil Rivers has only made it to an AFC championship. But he has all those great numbers. I guarantee you Phil Rivers gets in. Yeah, like 20 years down the road. If Phil Rivers gets in, if Eli Manning is in the Hall of Fame... Matthew Stafford also deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Okay, that's a fair argument, though, because Eli has the two rings, but not great. Like, he was a 500 quarterback. Right. My argument is not that Matthew Stafford should be a a top five or top ten quarterback of all time. My argument is that Matthew Stafford will have stats to prove, stats and stats, whatever. But of his job category, he will finish – at the time when he retires, he will be in the top 10 all time in his job requirement categories. And if there's these other quarterbacks like Philip Rivers, like arguably Matt Ryan's going to get in there too. No, like, no, Matt he Ryan probably will, will. No, he, he won't. probably will. No. I guarantee you there's going to be a lobby group for Matt Ryan to get into the Hall of Fame. But if Phil Rivers is going to get in, if Eli Manning is in, there's no reason that Matthew Stafford should not be in the Hall of Fame. Okay, fair. That's my argument. On the dominance piece, you lose, but in comparison to other guys that will get in, whether they should or not is is not up for debate. Like, if they get in, Stafford needs to be in. I see your argument in that sense, but in terms of sheer dominance in the sport, like... I'm not trying to argue that Matthew Stafford is one of the most dominant quarterbacks of all time. I'm going to argue that Matthew Stafford is one of the 10 most dominant quarterbacks of his era. But is that top 10 that's that's where richard sherman kind of says hall of like the bar has been lowered right because he's a top 10 quarterback whereas like you think a hall of fame would be like top five six seven years has to make it i mean matthew stafford we're, we're talking about aaron Rodgers here right like one super bowl four mvps four real, mvps real Peyton manning Peyton manning had six mvps and right. only hold won up, his Super Bowl, like I'm only won his second Super Bowl. I'm not about Bowl to argue he... that Matthew Stafford is better than Aaron Rodgers here. No, we're not trying Matthew, to. Matthew Stafford is only 5,000 yards off of Aaron Rodgers' all-time number. Yeah, but I think Rodgers I... doesn't play from behind for 12 years in his career where they have to throw the ball a bunch. Yeah, right? he like, doesn't win when they're up either. I mean, he wins four MVPs. <laughs> doesn't win any NFC championships. So one... The same amount of Stafford. <laughs> Stafford's got the same amount of Super Bowls in, as Rodgers in, what, four years of playoff experience? Three? Yeah. Um, I'm just saying Matthew Stafford gets shelled because his teams were shit. Last sentiment before we jump off. They had a Joe Cool segment on the Super Bowl. Joe Flacco not in there. I'd like to say that my Joe Cool has a Super Bowl trophy. So please, uh, before we start talking around that name, let's uh, let's let's add a trophy to the resume first. Um that was Joe said, Namath in that category? Yep, it went Namath, no, Montana, Burrow. That was their Joe. That was their Joe Cool graphic. 
Joe Burrow also came out himself and said he likes Joe Shiesty the best. So let's pump the brakes (laughs) on the Joe Cool thing. Also, Namath should not be anywhere near football history. What is he historic for? He guaranteed the Super Bowl and then beat a terrible team. Congratulations, Joe Namath. (laughs) With that being said, it's almost time up in Canada. I know. Oh, God, it's snowing today. But you know what? We are getting some warmer weather. Uh, that means fields are going to be cleared soon, which means refs are going to be out in full force. If you haven't got it or your coaching gear, head over to foxportyshop.com. Check out the worldwide leader in whistle tech. Use the code CFP15 at checkout to get 15% off your purchase. Coaching boards, whistles, merch, and more at fox40shop.com. Yep. And before we go, obviously, you guys always know where to find us at, at CF Perspective, at Wade Zank, at Connor R. O'Neill. We are going to be on there. We are going to be loud over the next week with the draft stuff when we do start rolling it out. So please follow along for that. We are very excited to get that out. That does it for today, though. I'm still going to go enjoy the rest of my Matthew Stafford celebration week. Uh, might try to get down to Detroit for the parade. I heard there's going to be a parade in Detroit. Uh, also saw something where, like, it was a meme where they yeah, were going to hang across an- the Ambassador Bridge. Yeah, fair, fair. Uh, <laughs> but I saw a meme and it was like Detroit was going to hang a jersey that said our old QB won a Super, or was going to hang a banner that said our old <laughs> yeah. QB won a Super Bowl. Do it. Wouldn't even be mad. It'd be the perfect Detroit Lions thing to do. Fine, I'd be happy with it. Not biting kneecaps, baby. Have a good week, guys. Put them in the hall. (laughs) Have a good week, guys. We will see you guys next week with the Draft 100 show. Possibly. You'll find out. Uh, Have a good week. Take care. All the best. Stafford and Connor will be celebrating this for the next six. The more I see, the less I'm willing to It's too hard in here, doesn't help.